Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and my guest this week is Ethan Brown. He is the host of a comedy environmental podcast called The Sweaty Penguin. You can find them at thesweatypenguin.com, or of course, it's on uh, Apple, Spotify, all the other major podcast platforms, wherever you're listening to this one might be a good place to look, find The Sweaty Penguin, and uh, we're going to talk with him about what it's like to combine things that are serious, like environmental changes with comedy, and it goes right along with being Playful Humans. Uh, So if you want to find more about Playful Humans and rediscovering the power of play as an adult, find us at playfulhumans.com. We like to start with the joke of the week. The joke of the week is brought to you by electricity. Uh, most people are shocked when they find out how bad I am as an electrician. Uh, my friend tried to explain electricity to me, and I was like, what? Uh, okay. Uh, the actual joke of the week for you is, what's more amazing than a talking dog? A spelling bee. There you go. Uh, all right. Can you beat that, Eva? Sure. So I've got one from my dad from when I was a kid. Two muffins are baking in an oven. The first muffin goes, boy, it's hot in here. The second one goes, ah, it's a talking muffin. (laughs) Nice. There we go. All right. That'll get us started. Now, I want to let you kind of open up and and tell us about the genesis of the, the sweaty penguin. When I saw and found your podcast, I was like, that's really cool because one of the things in Missions for Playful Humans is to have everybody kind of stop taking everything so seriously and realize that sometimes play is productive. Sometimes play uh, spreads awareness or makes connections or you can solve really difficult problems through the power of play. It doesn't mean just because the topic is serious, you have to be serious uh, all the time. And I think people struggle with that. How did you come to this? Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm really glad to be here. So the Sweaty Penguins started I guess from a combination of places. So I was going to college studying film and television and environmental analysis and policy. I also had the opportunity to run both my high school and college satire publications. So I was getting a lot of experience with comedy writing. And if I think back to when I first learned about climate change back in maybe high school or so, it was terrifying. I had a lot of fear, but I certainly was not excited to learn about it or interested in it. I just was kind of scared. And it took until I was in college, I was in film and TV, which was about storytelling. And I thought, okay, what story should I tell? This one seems important. So let me try to force myself into some classes. And that was where I learned that there's actually a lot more to this than I realized. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of solutions. There's a lot of things that are actually worth learning about and getting excited about. And that's when I thought, okay, how can I combine this interest in comedy with all of this great environmental stuff I'm learning that a lot of people might not know? And that's where quarantine hit. And then the sweaty penguin uh, came out of my quarantine boredom. And it's now two years, 100 plus episodes and going strong. 
Yeah, like you, I started this before the pandemic, but it was kind of a COVID baby there as well. It gave me the the time to actually start it uh, and launch the podcast and everything. Uh, so I, I totally relate to that. I'm wondering, what do you think is the funniest thing about uh, climate change and environmentalism that uh, you've learned so far? The funniest? That's a good question. So one that comes to mind that I was just talking about yesterday, we did an episode on succulents. And succulents are certainly impacted by climate change. There are now wildfires that are so bad that these species that have been uh, evolved to handle wildfires now can't handle these, which is lovely. But the biggest threat to succulents is actually the illegal trade around the world. Uh, succulents that are rare and endangered can go for up to $1,000 on the black market. And a lot of succulent collectors believe that by purchasing the succulent, they are rescuing it from their environment and saving it. Whereas in reality, the succulent can no longer spread its seeds. And as a result, uh, it drives the species even further down the endangered list. So... Since there is this market out there, we heard about a story of a woman in, I believe it was New Zealand, who got caught in the airport with over 900 succulents attached to her body via like um, those fishnet stockings, whatever you call those. And um, certainly a lot of them were seeds, but there were certainly some (laughs) actual plants on her as well. And I saw that was like, Jesus, imagine, I mean, she got on the plane, you're not winning that armrest battle, that's for sure. But it's kind of amazing how climate, I mean, this was kind of tangential to climate, but certainly these issues can create some very odd scenarios that have a well yeah i think that's um i mean certainly there's a ton of ironic stuff uh, about climate change and and things that isn't necessarily funny um but like your sweaty penguin uh title but uh that is funny i feel like most of the funny stuff is how dumb humans are we like to think of ourselves as like gods that can control the climate and we can terraform earth or something and fix all of these problems and maybe we can get there but i i also kind of find that like there we also have some pretty dumb uh people with us and we forget that we're also humans and just mammals on this planet and we rely on the planet like everybody else does uh, kind of reminds me of one of the funniest things I heard and, and feel free to steal this, but I saw online that they were talking about how they were trying to bear proof the uh, trash cans at like Yosemite national park. And mm-hmm. the ranger said, the problem is there's a considerable overlap between the smartest bears and the dumbest humans. <laughs> and so <laughs> if they make them so bears can't open them, a, a significant portion of the humans can't open them either. Uh, it's like those so- Proof medicine bottles where I can barely get them off half the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Child proofing is adult proofing uh, a lot of the times, too. Um, I saw on your website now how you treat some of the things. I love the um, what type of alternative milk quiz. Uh, I took that one and I I landed on oat milk. Uh, The description said that I have probably had a YouTube channel and obviously uh, I do for this podcast. Uh, So that was kind of a fun look at it. And and I'm wondering how you think about the content that you create and what your, what is your primary purpose really just to, to raise awareness about these issues? So the, 
reason behind the sweaty penguin was to make climate change less overwhelming, less politicized, and more fun. I think the overwhelming part goes back to thinking about me as that high schooler who was terrified and had no interest in learning about climate change. And I find that to be true of a lot of people. People always say Gen Z is so engaged on climate and know what's up and we know it's happening, but I think I run into people all the time who are like, I know what's going on, but I'm just plugging my ears. I'll do what you tell me. And I'm like, no, that's not what we want. I would rather you understand what's going on. And then you might actually be more optimistic about how we can improve things in the future. As to the politicized point, certainly uh, in the US and all over the world, this has been turned into a very political thing where the science and the politics are just so intertwined. And I really wanted to separate that out. There's a very real uh, conversation to be had politically about how do we act on these various climate issues. And there are a number of options there. They can be more liberal or more conservative policies. And that was some of the stuff I learned through my college coursework. But there is a bit of area that should be common ground. That's just science. There are gases like carbon dioxide, like methane that we emit that absorb infrared radiation from the sun and warm the planet. And that's just scientific fact. And we can extrapolate that as you will, but that there's a difference between that versus how do we tackle emissions from this natural gas plant or something. So I wanted to really be able to separate those things out and create content that anyone, uh, regardless of political perspective, would be able to get their heads around. So that was really the goal in crafting the Sweaty Penguin. Yeah, I like that a lot because I feel like, you know, in the era of, of social media and everything, we see that the extremes get a lot of play, things that get people fired up. But um, I don't see enough rational discussion and something like the environment uh, should be down the middle. And the way to make that content more approachable and engaging uh, with comedy or neutral perspectives and things, I, I think makes a, a ton of sense. I'm, I'm always kind of amazed how many things really should be like an and, um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily want to bring up a political topic, but you mentioned like emissions or, uh, you know, gas usage. And, and some people are like, well, we should use less gas. And other people are saying we should invest in alternative fuels. And we're like, yeah, why don't we do both of those? How's that? How's that sound? Or something like we don't need to argue over how to fix the problem. Let's just fix it. Um, and let's do all of them. Uh, and I've kind of found that playful um, way to approach things really helpful that when you take things seriously and you get emotionally involved and you politicize things, it's kind of less likely that you see creative alternative solutions or um, you create common ground with other people. And so one of the benefits that I talk a lot about with play is just changing culture, changing perceptions, getting more creative answers, uh, building confidence through trying and failing and not taking things so seriously that I think is difficult with the environment, right? When we all say like, oh, this is life or death, then people stress out and they clamp down and they they don't allow situations that might not solve the problem, but it might make it a little bit better, right? Partial solutions. So I'm wondering from your perspective, you've done a lot more study than I have. What are maybe some things that we don't know or things that you would really like people to know about the environment as far as 
creative or, or solutions that we're not hearing about from the, the mainstream politicians? Sure. So first off, I think there's a bit of misconception about where we're starting from. So in the United States, we our emissions peaked in 2007. They've come down, I believe in the 15, 20-ish percent range since then. I forget the actual number. Coal consumption in the US has come down by 58%. And if we look globally, if we look at Back in 2015, when they signed the Paris Agreement, they were talking about the world is on track to warm by about four degrees Celsius by the end of the century. Today, that's down to about three degrees Celsius by the end of the century. So is that enough? No, far from it. But that's something that's actually quite a bit. And I think that very often we are like, how do we address climate change? Where do we start? And We've started. We're just, we got to pick up the pace. And I think that little bit of information, first off, explains why you hear every single year, like, oh, it's now or never. Like, I think that gets confusing for, for people when they're like, okay, but you said 10 years ago, it's now or never. It's because we have been making some progress. But also, that gives me a lot more hope that we're on the right track. We just got to pick up the pace quite a bit to meet our international climate goals. In terms of how that happens, the thing that gets me excited is most climate policies can at the same time help the economy, help our health, Mm. help justice, help national security, help all these different things we care about. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change did a report um, just this year where one of the things they did was looked at 43 different climate solutions and compared them to the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, which are goals that the entire world agreed upon that by 2030, we want to end world hunger, see innovation, gender equality, a list of good things. And they compared climate action versus goal. Are there synergies? Are there trade-offs? Are there a combination? Of the hundreds of combinations that they analyzed, only 12 had trade-offs. The rest were synergies or a few had a combination. But that kind of thing is really exciting, right? If we take these actions and we do them strategically, we can help all these other things we care about. So that gets me excited to be like, all right, well, we know this. Let's start checking off the boxes. I know that's easier said than done, but that that's really exciting to me. So I hope people can know those things and uh, get excited about climate action and not just plug their ears. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's where I was going too. when you take that kind of improv mindset of the yes and you can uh, realize that we're okay. well, let's find out something that is economically viable and better for the environment. And there are options out there like that. I I think that's a common misconception. But I wanted to get to know you a little bit better and, and some of your background. You mentioned the early comedy writing. What do you do for fun? Um, How do you think about this as a career of being playful and uh, trying to get paid for it. I think also in, you know, nonprofits or other action item uh, things like this, where it's difficult to decide like how much money I should make versus investing in the solutions and things. I think there are some interesting conversations here. So where are you at in, in your journey and what do you see like an ideal state for you in your career? Yeah, I graduated Boston University a year ago in May. So I've been out in the real world for a little over a year now. And I've been 
working obviously very hard on the podcast. I have a team of 12 wonderful people, either students or recent graduates who work with me on it. And the podcast has a partnership with PBS's National Climate Initiative, Peril and Promise. So we get a bit of money from them. We also get money from our patrons. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash the sweaty penguin. You can help us out. That gives us enough to kind of pay our team a little bit to do the work that they do. I'm not getting any money from that. Um, my goal is to do that at some point, but we're not quite there yet. So I work on the podcast really hard. And then I also work uh, just as a production assistant with Peril and Promise as well. And that's kind of how I'm paying the bills. Certainly where I see myself is... I'd love to do this full time, but really any way that I can just be communicating climate change, bringing my message to more people. I think a lot of people will come to me and be like, oh, look at all you've accomplished in this short time in your career and in college. And I can't see it that way. I just look and I'm like, okay, well, are global carbon emissions zero? No. Mm -hmm. Then I'm not where I want to be. And maybe that's a little extreme, but that's kind of just where my head is always at. Like I want to see this get done. I feel like I've learned enough to know that it can get done. And as much as I can spread that message and um, make sure that other people know that that's, that's really what I want to be doing in whatever form that is. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think there's something to be said for a lifelong pursuit. If you find something, especially as early as you did, I think that's amazing. For me, it's kind of been interpersonal communications and connecting with other humans, doing things, conversations like this is um I'm never going to be like, oh, figure it out, humans. Check that box. I'm done with that. Like, there's always something new or a new person to to meet and connect. And I think that kind of gives me the lifelong challenge of it. But I wanted to roll back to um, your jobs. You mentioned, you know, writing early and and stuff and uh, that you're in a creative profession. What do you think came first for you? Did you ever consider like the uh, the cubicle job and, and like uh, a straight path or did you find... Uh, the environmental stuff and then pivot to being creative about it. Same time. What, what were you like, uh, you know, uh, earlier in your uh, childhood or education system, what made you gravitate towards creative work? If we go way back. So in fourth grade, I really wanted to open a restaurant called Brownies and that took me (laughs) one or two years and that I got really into it. I was like getting all my friends to agree to take various jobs and writing shift schedules and menus. And I made a website and got really invested in that. Then in uh, late fifth grade, this was from ages 10 to 15, I was, I was really into math as a kid and I, lost it toward the end. But while I was into that, I did this mental math stage show for about five years. Um, I got to travel all over the world, perform in uh, New York City, Las Vegas, New Delhi, India, all over the place. Um, I went on a TV show on Fox called Superhuman. Um, I got to set a world record, get a paper published. So that was a really amazing journey for me. And I think that from performing, um, that the stuff that I really enjoyed was I liked math at the time and I wanted to make math fun and interesting for people. That's another subject that people get scared of and don't want to learn more about. And then I just loved 
writing jokes and making people laugh from doing those shows. And so once I kind of got into high school, I joined our high school's movie making club and was having so much fun. At the same time, I was getting bored out of my mind in my math classes. And so I was like, all right, I, I think it's ready for a pivot. And people were like, really? Do from all the way to film from that, but it was all storytelling to me. It all felt, uh, felt logically similar. So I got into that. Then I got into our high school satire publication and I got to run that my senior year. When I got to college, I took over our college satire publication as a freshman. The current editor in chief basically was super checked out. There weren't many people left. So within a couple months, she was like, Hey, do you want this? And I was like, the, all right. I'm a freshman, but sure. And everyone left and it was just me. And in my two years of running it, we grew it to a 90 person team doing daily content. And I got to learn so much from that, both about team management and also about satire writing. My managing editor, Maddie Schmidt, who also works on The Sweaty Penguin now, was a big help in kind of training me a little bit as a comedy writer while I was kind of doing the management stuff. So, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about where I came from, but I think all of those experiences plus obviously my environmental coursework and writing in my early college years all comes together to create what the sweaty penguin turned out to be. That's funny. I can relate to that a lot. Uh, my family calls it creative nerdery. So uh, I think your, you know, math uh, show kind of falls right into that that bucket of your starts uh, is I was also a math nerd as a kid, but I love people like Steve Martin or the Bare Naked Ladies or uh, Douglas Adams and, and people that can be really smart and really fun and silly at the the same time. And I think people don't realize that those aren't mutually exclusive, that you can be in film and uh, still be good at math and, and stuff. And like you said, um, they don't necessarily have to be be choices. I'm wondering, though, it sounds like you got encouraged pretty young to run with all of that, though. Were your parents entertainers or entrepreneurs or how? who gave you that uh, encouragement to go for those things at, at such a young age? Yeah, they were obviously really supportive and big credit to them for <laughs> jetting around with me for the time I was doing those shows. My dad is an entrepreneur. He runs a home lawn care business since 1995, and they really grew from just him and his partner to now I think they're over 100 employees. And he ended up doing a MBA recently, which I was able to pick his brain a lot as he did that. So certainly just seeing him work so hard every single day, especially in uh, the fall and the spring when it was a lot busier, was really inspiring for me. And I could see growing up, going from when I was a kid and we uh, weren't quite as well off, certainly 2008 hit his business pretty hard. Um, and then evolving to today where his business is doing fantastic and who's making a great living. And I could kind of see like, if I work this hard, I can kind of do what he did. And it's not necessarily as much about money. Certainly that's exciting, but it's also just really cool to be able to think if you put your head down and get to work, you can make the impact you want to make. So whatever my goals were at these different stages in life, I certainly took that to heart. 
Oh, that's awesome. Uh, great story. I got a lot of inspiration that way uh, myself, too. So once again, we're talking with Ethan Brown from The Sweaty Penguin. Uh, you can search that on any podcast app or you can go to thesweatypenguin.com. Also support them if you are somebody uh, that has climate change and environmentalism as an issue close to your heart. Go on the Patreon, uh, find them there and donate to the cause so that he can keep going. Now, uh, Ethan, do you want to play a game sure all right uh haven't had anybody say no yet but i gotta ask uh we spin in the wheel and you got survey says survey says is pretty easy we surveyed 100 people the top answers are on the board you just got to get one of them in the uh, top five and two out of three to win so all right uh this one's for you name something that might happen when you get really hot (laughs) um you sweat there you go. Sweat number one answer. Uh, you got it. We also have uh, faint, pass out, uh, turn red, dehydrate, uh, or heat stroke uh, at the bottom. All right. Question number two Name a household pet you could leave by itself for a couple of days. I have a fish tank here, so I'm going to say fish. There you go. Fish is the number two answer. Cat number one. I'm not sure uh, a few, a couple of days uh, they could probably hang out there. Uh, bird, dog, and snake also Wouldn't on the do list. Dog. That's <laughs> that's risky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd go with the snake or the the fish. They'll probably be all right. Uh, name something that cats and men have in common. That's cats one of my favorite and questions. men. They are independent. Uh, sure. We'll count that one, uh, too. We got finicky, stubborn. Uh, they are also sneaky, lazy, love sleeping, hairy, uh, or have whiskers. And number uh, six was they like petting. They like being All right. Uh, so there you go. Three out of three. You win a free 30 second commercial for you, Ethan. Anything you can do to help us or we can do to help you. Sure. Like you said, you can find The Sweaty Penguin on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at thesweatypenguin.com or at pbs.org slash peril and promise where our partners live. Uh, again, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash thesweatypenguin where you can get merch, bonus content, other cool stuff. And lastly, if you have any questions about climate change, the environment, anything we talked about today, we have a show on Wednesdays called Tip of the Ice where I do take questions from our audience at the end. So hit us up on social media, our website, our Patreon, email, whatever you want. Uh, You can stalk me and find my personal Facebook. I don't really care, but uh, shoot us your questions and we will feature them on the show. So a great way to get any of your climate thoughts addressed. And thanks again for having me, Mike. You nailed it. Thanks again. That's Ethan Brown, thesweatypenguin.com. I highly encourage you to click on the quizzes and uh, take that alternative milk quiz. Post in the comments below what milk uh, you are. I got oat milk. Um, See what you get. We have also a very similar quiz on playfulhumans.com where you can find out what kind of playful personality you are. So fun BuzzFeed feed style quiz, playfulhumans.com slash quiz. You might be an athlete. You might be a puzzle solver you might be a producer that likes to produce fun for other people explore all kinds of great stuff uh, or just a comedian and a playful human but if you're feeling burned out and bored don't stay that way go to playfulhumans.com and connect with other adults rediscovering the power of play until next time go have fun keep on chasing
the sun.